Hello and welcome to Microphone Gain number one. Microphone Gain is a project of the Game Arts International Network. I'm Jim Monroe. Pretty soon we're going to hear from Tanya X. Short and Benjamin Esposito. Tanya is from the Pixels in Montreal, and Ben is from Glitch City in Los Angeles. Ben has a couple questions for Tanya on managing succession, replacing key people, which is the topic of today's session. Hope you enjoy. Okay, hello. Hi. So should we start with maybe some introductions and some background? Sure. In case people don't know. Um, uh, yeah. You can so, go ahead. Okay. Um, by day, I am the captain and uh, lead designer at Kit Fox Games in Montreal, Canada. And around the same time that I started Kit Fox in 2013, um, a few months earlier, I had started um, Pixels, which is a uh, nonprofit dedicated to helping women make more games. Um, and I'm originally from California. Uh, ben and I were chatting about that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it looks like I'm Canadian for a while now. <laughs> That's cool. And I hope you become a, a citizen as well. Yeah, um, me too. <laughs> so I'm I'm Ben Esposito. I'm a an independent game developer. I've been working on um, a bunch of solo projects over the last couple of years. I'm working on a, a game called Donut County right now, Woo! which is kind of a, a solo endeavor um, and a labor of love, to be sure. Uh, so that's kind of, that's like my main, that's where all my time goes. But I kind of, as a response to that, because I was working by myself and I, I, I was feeling quite isolated, I co-founded a an organization called Glitch City, which is essentially like an artist-run co-working space for independent games. And so we, in 2013, we got a permanent space in Culver City in, in LA. Um, and it's like a thousand square foot uh, room. And we've kind of, uh, we, we started with the space first and then we started figuring out the organization. So we're still, uh, piecing together what we're all about and what we're doing and how to run things. So that's kind of why I'm really excited to be uh, talking to other people who are organizing game-related things. That sounds really unusual. I don't know if I've heard of an organization <laughs> that had space and then we're like, wait a minute, what's happening? What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, maybe, maybe foolish. I don't know, but um, it was, it was most, yeah, I don't know. You, I'm sure you it's, it's, everybody has their own uh, strengths, I guess, when they start, right? Yeah, and we were also like very folk. We had a very clear goal going into it of like we want a workspace and we're going to fund it ourselves. And then the community aspect of it became a huge, very important factor. And we were kind of like uh, always reacting to things as we were growing. And so that's why now there's kind of these like long standing, you know, unresolved questions that I'm trying to start, you know, addressing one by one. Yeah. Okay, well, I can give more information about um, not just pixels and, and how we run things, because I, I think there's going to be some pretty clear differences, um, mm -hmm. but also, um, I mean, how we've started doing some some succession kind of activities. Um, mm -hmm. So Pixels originally was really just a six-week six incubator, and it was patterned after um, the Difference Engine initiative, uh, which Jim knows all about, um, in Toronto. And basically, the person who was supposed to run the incubator here in Montreal um, couldn't make it for personal reasons. And so they were looking for somebody to run it. And there were a few different people in town. Um, I was participating in the local um, kind of hobby game group. Um, and there was a, a woman who had graduated from the program, uh, the Difference Engine Initiative in Toronto. Um, there were a couple of other prominent women in town. Um, and in the end, none of us felt comfortable taking it on ourselves personally, um, like alone, but um, me and the woman who had graduated from the program previously, uh, Rebecca, um, said, yeah, we can run it together. Um, she'll have the experience of having done it before, so she'll have insight into how to make it better. And I'm an outside 
person who can help add energy and a fresh perspective. So mm. we both took it on um, and it was just supposed to be those six weeks, but then it was such a big success that we had the whole game development community of Montreal, whether it was commercial or academic or hobbyist or indie or whatever. Um, everybody was kind of um, like standing ovation. How can I help <laughs> you? Uh, please never stop that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so here we are five years later and we kind of just kept adding programs based on what ways people wanted to help. Um, and none of us are full-time still. None of us are really paid except for occasional, um, like honorariums for Mm. like, especially new programs that start. Um, and we all just kind of do as much as we can, but I know for myself, 2017, I probably did less than I've ever done before. And the incubator was very, it was actually kind of the perfect example here of something we successfully passed off and mm-hmm. in fact has been passed off again and is about to pass off a third time. Um, Whoa. and yeah, well, so what we ended up doing was after we had run the incubator, so we, we had, we have it as an annual program. Mm-hmm. And after we had run it the second year, uh, Rebecca and I looked at each other and we were like, Oh my God, I'm so tired. <laughs> uh, and this is kind of feeling like the same thing again. Um, so how can we make sure this happens next year, even if you and me don't want to do it? And we'd rather, you know, grow the rest of the Pixels programs. We'd like to, I don't know, get funding for uh, workshops and equipment and mentorship and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so we actually have the alumna of the program take it over every two years. Uh, we pick some combination of um, highly interested uh, we, basically, we take the subset of the super interested alumna, and because of our unique situation in Montreal, we also need somebody who uh, is fluent in French mm. as well, um, as well as an Anglophone, and hopefully one of them is a woman of color, um, and basically we just give every two years, it passes off to a set of two new alumna, mm. and they are given the curriculum, and they are recommended to keep in contact with us about changes that they want to make, but they're allowed to make whatever changes they want, really, as long as it stays within budget of uh, the six weeks, Um, the budget paying just basically for snacks and a showcase at the end at a free venue. I see. Um, Uh, If you don't mind me interrupting, uh, how did did you go about having that conversation with um, the, the alumna that you're trying to become the successors? So she and I had no pre-existing relationship. (laughs) Uh, We were just two women that were contacted uh, and asked if we'd like to run a feminist thing. And we were like, "Uh, okay. (laughs) So you just said yes. So we did that. And like, we had a good vibe from each other, but, um, and we're still, I consider her a friend, but we don't hang out that much. So I think at the end of the second annual incubator, it was, kind of really easy for us to be very blunt and upfront about how we're feeling and what we want to get out of this and what our five-year goals are. And, and maybe it's that we were really fortunate that those goals aligned Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, we did want it to survive us and we don't really have our ego attached to it. And we also want to grow more people to take different aspects of it. And neither of us wants to go full-time nonprofit Mm -hmm. anyway. So it was very much like a, I, we hope someday we'll have both the money and someone high up enough in the organization to become like full-time Pixels person. Um, but so far that hasn't been a priority either. I see. I see. Um, I don't know if that answers uh, your question. I but. guess yeah, no, that, that is good information. I guess my question is um, how do you begin the conversation with the people you're trying to pass on the responsibilities to? Oh, I see. Um, we kind of just present it as something that's definitely going to happen. It's like a force <laughs> of nature. Um, so we don't act like it was a decision. We're just like, well, it's been two years. Now it's time for new people to take over. Uh, so who's going to do it? And that's good. Um, we do have a, a, a little bit of a mini, like not audition or interview, but um, like we have a little application form um, for the alumna that are interested. Um and it's a relatively small pool of people because it's only like, you know, 10 women. And we, we've recently allowed non-binary as mm-hmm. well, I believe. Um, and so it's, it's still only like 40 people max who could possibly do mm-hmm. this application. Right. Um, and, but still, you know, every year there's, you know, 
four or five people that get really jazzed and they feel like their life has changed and they want to help pay it forward to somebody else. And so, you know, we try to ask them things like, what would you do if things went wrong? (laughs) And (laughs) um, how much time do you actually have to put into this? Because people always underestimate the amount of time that nonprofits uh, take out of your Mm -hmm. your day. I can imagine. Um, But yeah, it is really just like, Who's jazz? All right, cool. Okay, let's talk specifics and see if you actually have the the ability to do this. Um, and then we kind of just go by gut feeling of, of who should mm. be allowed. Like the number one requirement, in my opinion, is trusting their ability to communicate hmm. with you. Like my nightmare would be somebody who's doing okay, but won't say anything ever. <laughs> Uh, about what they're worried about. You know what I mean? Like that's the worst case scenario. Like I'd much rather have somebody that's kind of flailing around and has no idea what's going on, but at least they're telling me what they're struggling with and like they don't feel like they're alone in this. And it's like, right. Like, you know what I mean? Like if somebody feels like, like they're just abandoned to do a thing, um, especially the first time that they take it over, like for the first six months or something. Um, I think it's really important that they feel like they have a mm-hmm. backup resource um, without me actively needing to needing to go and ask them because I would I, I don't want them to feel like I am managing them because I'm not. Um, but I also, you know, don't want them to just disappear <laughs> into the night. I see. So you're looking um, for people who are yeah. comfortable asking for help and who like know how to tap into the resources that are available to them. Like, you're trying to select for that. Yes. So, like, if they already have... Exactly. If they have an independent spirit, and I feel like I can trust them to say something uh, when things are going wrong, then that's okay. kind of Okay, and have you had... Um, you've had success finding those people, like, uh, time and time again? Yeah. Yeah, so far. I mean, honestly, we only picked mm-hmm. the first set of people. Um, so, like I said, every two years, we, we appoint two new alumna to take our place, and that was a while ago now. So those two alumna picked two more of their alumna. And then those two are picking two more oh, um, for this coming year. So, so far it's been fine. Um, the other programs, we have slightly less clear succession rules. So it's been slightly messier. Um, but that one has definitely gone. Okay, kind that's of great. Work. Yeah, I mean, because it seems like it's kind of built into the, the structure of that program. Yeah, after we decided, we just said, well, this is the structure now, I guess. Right, I do, I do appreciate um, your the way you frame it, which is that it's a force of nature. And it's like, you can't say no to this. I mean, you, yeah. you can turn down the opportunity, but it's got to happen. Someone's got to be responsible for it. Yeah, and it, and it is hard because it is still work. Like, if you put it off until you're already exhausted... Mm then finding a replacement becomes infinitely harder because you don't have the energy to train them up. You have to leave. Um, and that actually happened to our local meetup group oh, really? called the Memorial Game Society. Um, the leader, the leadership, well, they kept not having the, the time or energy or, or something. This is my interpretation. They probably have a different interpretation. But um, they didn't train their successors um, for whatever reason for many years. And then... I mean, now it's mm. it's gone. The the society is 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 no more, as far as I can tell. Um, and I think it's because they waited until it was too late, um, and they didn't have the the wherewithal to be able to. I see. To so pass you think they properly. waited too long, and the energy ran out. That's that's my inter- I mean, they probably okay. have their own interpretations, of course. Um, but that's how I see it um, from the mm. Pixels experience that I've had. Um, but I mean, we're also very, um, hmm, how to put this? We put in a lot of effort throughout the years, uh, making sure that we have new fresh blood in the form of new volunteers running whatever programs they want and making it clear that they can take more Mm. responsibility if they want to. I think actually part of the problem a lot of times is that you get excited people and they don't even realize the power that they have to I've do more things. I've definitely experienced this, um, yeah. At least, 
Mm-hmm. Especially with women, I think, um, or maybe people raised as women. Um, I feel like it's very common for them to be very excited about something, but feel like it would be arrogant or step on someone's toes or it would be rude um, to ask if they could, um, you know, just run something or um, mm-hmm. I don't know. They just don't want to take up too much space. And so one of my top um, priorities or when we when we have new volunteers and say, how can I help? Um, is to really, really make sure I ask them, mm. what do you want to help with? Not like, well, we need somebody to do this or we need somebody to do this. Like, no, these are the things that we are theoretically capable of doing. Um, but do you have something else you want to do? Is mm. there any of those you'd, you'd like to take over? Um, and there's like that grooming period where, you know, you've, you've given them the directives of what the goals are, but then at some point you do have to let it go and say, well, they're going to do it slightly different than I am they're going to make changes to the curriculum or whatever. Um, and right. that's okay. So let's their say someone, you do ask that question and someone says, yeah, you know, I'd actually really like to run an event like this. Um, and it's something you've never done before. Uh, what's mm-hmm. the next, what's the next step? What do you say mm-hmm. to them? <laughs> <laughs> so this actually happened. Um, we actually had a very enthusiastic, uh, mentorship, um, person, uh, who she was helping me set up like one-on-one mentorship interviews. Um, and she was so inspired. She was a follow along for the incubator. So she oh, had done okay. the incubator, but at home, I believe maybe she was in the actual, <laughs> yeah, incubator. let's go with it. My memory is terrible. Anyway, she's awesome. Um, if anybody ever has a chance to work with Jana Sloan van Geest, she's incredible. She's in the Netherlands right now. Anyway, um, she, looked at our incubator and said, you know what, I want to do this, but I want to do it more like um, a story, like a writing group. I want to do a writing incubator where people who want to become games writers can you can have a meeting every oh, month cool. and make their writing portfolio uh, to break in. And I'll bring in mentors of people who are writers in the industry and they'll give, you know, portfolio mm-hmm. feedback and hopefully everybody gets a job because <laughs> uh, that's actually a possibility in, in Montreal. <laughs> um, and... And actually, uh, you know, initially we were extremely positive and then we actually looked at what she had proposed and we had a few changes that we had to make um, because we said, you know, our, our values, our requirements for the, the event are that they are very accessible. So that means that they're free to attend. Um, you have to tell us why you're including or mm-hmm. excluding different genders um, because that's very crucial to our program. Um, and our, our uh, mission um, as an organization, um, you have to justify every line item on the budget. You have to give us a budget, for example. That was one thing that most people who, who try to run a program, yeah, they don't exactly. realize that a budget is a thing. Um, and they just, yeah, they don't do the math of how much they actually need. And then once you're like, well, actually snacks, you know, $30 yeah, of snacks. True. If you're going to do 10 meetings, that's uh, some money. Um and things like that. Um, but anyway, so she went back, she took our feedback, she revised it, and then um, we okayed it and we gave her wow. the money and she ran this writing incubator that um, has now gotten a bunch of, uh, when did more stuff. But I mean, part of that is because Jana's magic, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it went, so she kind of went straight from like uh, participating in the program to becoming a volunteer and heading up this. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, I think there was a little bit of an in-between where, so we have a pixel Slack. Um, and I think we had invited her and she Mm -hmm. had done some mentorship volunteering, but cause she wanted to help other women get into the industry cause she had been in the industry for a little while, but she had been, um, I guess not in the role that she wanted. And, and she was making that transition into her like dream job and wanted to help other women do that. Mm -hmm. interesting so you um what would you do to encourage more people to kind of like pitch you new programs or like kind of come to you with their energy and try to like convert it into like a useful well so one thing that's a little bit tricky is that you'll get a lot of people who are really excited by the idea of helping you Um, and they don't actually Mm -hmm. have the time or the energy, um, to, to follow through on that. Um, and part of that's natural because, you know, we're not paying them. Um, so volunteers are always going to be a little bit, uh, dicey, but, um, we've had really good, um, we've had really good outcomes 
if we require a volunteer to be very clear about what they're taking responsibility for. Because um, we get a ton of people that say, oh, I want to help you. Oh, I want to help you. And then as soon as you say, well, can you do this? Can you take responsibility for this or anything? <laughs> they're like, well, no, mm -hmm. actually. Um, <laughs> and in that case, I'm like, okay, we'll just put money in the box, you know, like just, just write us a check and then right. and you'll, you'll you can be feel great. Um, but, uh, yeah. So mm -hmm. for example, you know, if there's somebody just a couple weeks ago who is, um, an experienced nonprofit volunteer, she's been involved in a lot of other things. And she was like, I want to help pick cells. And we said, well, here's a list of our programs. Um, what do you want to do? And she said, I don't know, kind of everything. And so we said, okay, never mind. See, like, like, let us know <laughs> when you have something, we're not going to add you to the Slack or like, I mean, I know this sounds really cold, but like, I'm not going to waste my time helping you, um, decide what you're excited about. Like that's, I have enough to do. So you have to take up that part of it. I see. Right. It's not your job. And I think the, I think it is something that I would definitely like to, um, use from your process is like presenting mm -hmm. people a list of things they could potentially take responsibility for because I think our organization struggles with yeah, that a lot. Yeah, and I mean, it does take effort to actually organize that list, right? Um, because it does end up being a lot of bits and bobs <sighs> yeah. and and weird things. Um, but it's amazing how differently people act when they know that no one else will do a thing unless they do it. Um, <laughs> because if they know, like, oh, it's me or this other person, it's kind of this tragedy of the common situation, And someone right? might figure it um, out. But if it's just right. me and it won't get done unless I do it, um, I mean, in some life situations, of course, I still don't have time. But in a situation where I'm excited and I asked for this um, and I was given this thing that I asked for, uh, we've had really great um, percentage of follow through uh, when it's been phrased that way. Like, this is your program. You make sure it happens. I see. Yeah, I'm definitely going to yeah. use that. <laughs> and, and I don't even follow really up good, on it. Like, I don't even yeah. ask them. Uh, it's really... <laughs> you just have to Yeah, just a little bit. It's a little bit scary, for sure. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. I mean, that's, like, what helps me run, you know, take care of my responsibilities is the knowledge that, like, well, I'm, you know, it stops with me. If mm -hmm. I don't do it, then mm -hmm. it doesn't happen. Um, and so something we've, like, struggled with I've struggled with a lot is um, someone will kind of be excited about wanting to volunteer. Maybe I'll, I'll pitch them like, hey, you know, you could help with this, this and this. And then they'll ask, OK, well, what are the steps involved with me? No, nope, not my job. And, <laughs> and once. Yeah, right. And it's like once that question gets asked, I'm like, oh, no, I guess I have to, like, figure all this out. I have to write documents for you. I have to, like you know, give you a flow chart about like this, this, this. I mean, this. I think, I think there um, is, there can yeah. be a little bit of a training period, of course. Um, like we do have, um, volunteers, um, that, like if we've never met this person, like this is a, a rando off the street. That's like, I want to run a program. Um, then, then we do have a little bit of a, a vetting process in which we ask them to do a very simple interpersonal task, like, um, help moderate a workshop as an assistant kind of thing. Um, like huh. if you can just come to this one thing and like answer any questions about this topic you already know about, get an idea of whether they would be good uh, to work with and, and also just see if they're actually reliable um, when we ask them to do one thing. Um, and well, yeah. Or, you know, if are they easy to communicate like, with when they, they show can't up show up, you know, all that kind of stuff. Get the job done. Um, and I mean, sure, we do pass documents, but we definitely would never make flowcharts. Um, mm -hmm. Like we might share a document or um, or set like, for example, the mentorship program. Mm -hmm. I've actually I'm passing off to um, an awesome designer here at EA. Um, she has kind of taken it over and she is rewriting the application form however she wants. And, and she has kind of the spreadsheet and the mentors and. I mean, sometimes she doesn't get to work on it for a couple of months, but you know what? Neither would I. So <laughs> um, that's kind of a, she'll figure out how to make it work for her. And as long as she knows she can ask me <laughs> questions, you know, when she runs into trouble, I guess, I guess that's a tricky thing is you have to communicate that questions like, how do I do the thing? Um, 
is what they should be figuring out. That is part of the job. Um, but questions like, mm -hmm. like I've run into this problem. Do you know uh, how to deal with this? Um, like that's okay. That's part of, uh, yeah, yeah. So it is a fine line right, sometimes. Because yeah, that requires experience. And... Okay, that is really good to know. Right, yeah. I find I also just get frustrated <laughs> in those situations. Mm -hmm, I, like, mm -hmm. I'm just like, okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, we'll figure it out. I'll talk to you about it. And then it never happens. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, yeah, that that is really, uh, I think that combined with kind of like positioning mm -hmm. their role as like, yeah, you are fully responsible for, for answering all these questions. Yeah. I mean, people I want to be challenged. And I think like, sometimes I think they ask something like, well, how do I do it to make sure that they're not rude? Like they don't do it wrong and, and they don't want to offend you or, you know what I mean? They don't want to just blunder ahead uh, without mm -hmm. permission. Um, and so really just give them permission Just say, yeah, it's fine to make it up and that's okay. Um, and just give them that confidence because people like being challenged. They like they like having something hard and something personal. And as long as they believe in the cause, then that'll carry them through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I mean that's what motivates me as well. Like I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't like very challenging and like with a high chance for a, a reward. You know. Yeah, definitely. The emotional rewards at the end are very gratifying. <sighs> Yeah. Oh, that's one thing that helps. Actually, I never mentioned. Um, this wasn't my idea. I think this was Rebecca or maybe Kim, one of our first um, alumna that we gave the incubator to, um, is getting gifts for volunteers after a big event, um, even if it's a tiny gift, like like just a little a little mini like two dollar house plant or, <laughs> or or I don't know a packet of tea from a really cool local tea shop, like little little things like that mm -hmm. for your volunteers that come in and, and help make things run smoothly. Um, like even if they don't have time in their lives to take over an event or take over like planning or become your replacement, like they still, you know, they put in two hours to be there and, and help with a thing. Um, I think that really does help, uh, make sure that they come back and they're interested in doing more when they have the time. Mm. Yeah. That seems like a nice strategy to like make sure that people feel like even their small contributions were like worth a lot. Yeah, exactly. Because it is worth a lot. You can't do anything <laughs> all by yourself. Yeah, that's true. You need those people at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay, if I could kind of transition and, into um, asking you for some, some advice on my situation. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of, before this conversation, I kind of sent you an email with a couple of the things I was interested in. And one of the things I wanted to talk about was, or I wanted to ask your advice on how to break down and delegate my very nebulous and, and all-encompassing responsibilities and kind of start the process of finding people to who can, you know, take pieces of that and, uh, and run with it. Oh, geez. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's hard. Um, when we did have some experience with this though, we, our third co-director, Stephanie, um, actually came in after a couple of years. Um, hmm. and she had, Rebecca had known her before and she came in, um, when there was this, uh, I don't know, it was, it was hard for her because she had been involved in dames making games in Toronto, but then she was living in Montreal and it was just kind of, um, she had this extra, um, time and an effort, I guess, that she could easily transfer over. Um, so mm -hmm. she was very quickly brought in, but I think something that helped was that we knew at least the adjectives of the kinds of things that she should take over. Um, I mean, in that case, it was kind of clear, um, Rebecca is the primary director of Pixels. Um, I feel like I should have led with that at the beginning. I, I feel like Rebecca is the, mm -hmm. the, the soul of Pixels still. Um, okay. and I'm more of the, the industry assistant director. And then Stephanie is like the paperwork bureaucratic, <laughs> uh, like money person. I see. Um, and she's really great with that stuff. Um, like she makes sure we have all of our budgets and our taxes and grant applications and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so when we were looking for her, we were talking to a few different people and we honestly did, we never did sit down and make a full list of all the things that she was expected to do. Mm -hmm. Um, we did use the word co-director, which kind of helped imply that she would be responsible for a lot. Okay. Um, and we did use words like 
paperwork, <laughs> uh, bureaucracy. Um, in your case, maybe it's more like office manager mm. stuff. Um, and I mean, I don't think that like a, a full blown list is not necessarily that important. Although you should probably take the time to, to write down a few examples of, um, like logistical things. Oh, that's a good point. Um, even if it's just, it's like, it's in the realm of like, like think of the three most different bizarre things that you have to do <laughs> and be like a person who is flexible, who can do th- this kind of thing. Um, and I think if you find somebody who is kind of spirited and you give them permission to fail and um, things like that, it'll, it'll be easier to find somebody than having like a 30 page bullet point list of all the tiny little things which is like oh my god that's terrifying i I can't do all of that that's crazy i see yeah i think the idea of like triangulating from these kind of bizarre tasks that i'm doing is a good idea um maybe i mean let me know if it works yeah i'll figure it out uh i guess another question i have is like if i so you you pitched co-director was the was the title Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I, we don't really have titles per se in our organization. We have five people that kind of run the show, quote unquote, um, with mm-hmm. like nonverbal, you know, each person's better at something than someone else. And so they tend to do those things. Um, but I was kind of wondering, like in that type, in our like kind of, you know, very DIY ish organization, um, do you think it would help to kind of define those roles and like kind of break them in half when we are talking about bringing other people in to like take some of those responsibilities because it seems like that people would be a lot people would be primed to like do those jobs if they had the title and yeah like, i mean we find I without think... the title people have a hard time understanding what they're meant to be doing yeah i'm i'm a little bit um hierarchical more so than most uh indie people i think (laughs) yeah um in in that i find it very stressful to not know who's responsible for something Mm. um i'm getting it's very calming (laughs) it's calming for me even in a game jam situation to be like okay so who's actually settling the programming debates like Mm. Who's like? It doesn't matter that they're the lead or whatever, but like at the end of the day, (laughs) (laughs) who's responsible for making this thing happen? Yeah, let's all agree on who's responsible for these different things. And I feel like that does trickle down into how I deal with my nonprofit as well, where me and Rebecca and and Stephanie, like we're all our our title is all co-director. Like none of us have a different title, Mm -hmm. but we do have pretty clear realms of responsibility in terms of our programs that we're in charge of. Um, and that really helps with peace of mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, I mean, are I think those the like... worst feeling in the world is like, is when you feel like you have to literally do everything because you're not sure who will do it if you don't. Right. Yeah. I've been there. <laughs> and it's like not necessarily <laughs> so, I mean, even true. It's just, you feel that way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a psych out kind of thing. Um, so I mean, in your case, five is a lot to be, all equals in terms of, I mean, maybe you have enough going on that those five people are all putting in the same and they all have the same like buy-in and whatever. But, um, it is awkward of course, to apply it after the fact or like in the middle of a game jam or something like that. Mm. Um, but it's kind of better than not in my experience. Uh, so it might be worth sitting down and having that weird, awkward, I mean, I don't know the personalities (laughs) of your co-director type people, but, um, I think if if you feel like it would be better for your organization, then hopefully they'll take it the right way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's it's a worthy conversation to have because, you know, there was a time when we had eight people running the show and, and mm. you can imagine what that was like. Um, mm-hmm. We've now, you know, since gone down to about, you know, four or five. Um, but, you know, the, I think the nature of a lot of, you know, organizations like mine where there are kind of no defined roles is that you do get a hierarchy. You just aren't, you just don't call it a hierarchy. And so like, that's yeah. definitely what's happened to us. And so I think that conversation is probably worth having with people. Um, and I think maybe, you know, inspired by this conversation, I would frame it as like, well, you know, if we, you know, break this up into jobs, that means that, you know, we can have other people replace us and we can have, mm-hmm. we can train other people to be able to do these jobs and so it's not just this nebulous group of people who kind of get stumble through everything. 
One thing that's going to be a little bit awkward is that sometimes this happened at a local indie studio that didn't do a lot of structuring. Um, so they had one person that just took care of everything and then burned out. Mm-hmm. And so she was amazing. Um, but what ended up happening was when they looked for her replacement, they had to replace her with four different people. Oh my gosh. And <laughs> it, it part, I mean, it's not that she was actually like doing four people's jobs. I mean, maybe she was, I don't know. I wasn't there, but um, I, my interpretation of what happened is that she had, over time so efficiently combined those four roles Mm. that it would be very difficult for an outsider to combine them in the same way um, because they did kind of develop the expertise off of one another um, when you're practicing those two different things. So I wouldn't be surprised if, let's say, like, I don't know very much about um, Glitch City, but if, you know, you're acting as an office manager, but also kind of, I don't know, the local therapist or <laughs> whatever, um, you might not be able to find another es- Ben Esposito. Like that person isn't out there, but you mm. might be able to find an office manager and you might be able to find, uh, well, hopefully you don't need to hire a therapist, but you, you know, um, <laughs> a building manager, whatever it is. Right. So uh, I hate... I hate to uh, to jump in because this conversation is going great, but we uh, just to be conscious of time. Um, I just wanted to sort of um, uh, potentially throw in a, a, a couple comments. I my brain's been going like crazy. Uh, <laughs> you guys, yeah, not so, being able to talk. Um, but well, no, no, just writing everything down. There's so many good things that are are, are uh, resonating with uh, with the experiences I've had. I've heard from other people as well as as well as uh, my own experiences. Mm. Um, and, um, yeah, I just want to make sure, uh, that, uh, Claris and Davis have a chance to, um, to, uh, to ask questions or whatever. Um, uh, but basically, you know, that the particular point you were talking about there about, um, Ben's job as one of the founders doesn't have to be handed wholesale off to another person, I think is really, mm-hmm. uh, pertinent because, um, because the founder is is has way more um, capacity for taking on more, just because um, they've they've started it um, and uh, they they're very passionate about it continuing, um, and uh, and 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 there's a lot of you know they've created it often t- to fill some needs of their own that uh, you know and and really when it comes down to um, a lot of not-for-profits or, or these types of organizations or collectives, um, the founder transitioning from the founder is one of the biggest challenges mm. that, um, that across the board, certainly not just video games, but everything. Um, it's really, it's really hard. Well, um, and for-profit corporations too. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Because there's that kind of, um, the kind of pride of ownership that you mm-hmm. have when you start something like you refer to things, uh, you refer to it sometimes, Ben, as, 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 you, as your, as your organization or your, your, uh, you know, like you, you feel a, like an, a natural ownership, um, towards it. And that, that brings me to the other idea of, um, you know, the idea of titles and mm-hmm. how people do like titles. Um, and one of the reasons is because it lets them know that they have, they like that they've been given ownership, um, that they, that they do belong there, uh, and their, their responsibilities, uh, and, and relationship to the, to the entity is clear, um, in a way that otherwise, um, you know, founders, and I'm the same, I'm quite happy to say, you know, I, I helped run the Hand Eye Society for, you know, seven or eight years, um, and, 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 and that's a little ambiguous, um, but at the same time, I, I feel a clear ownership, uh, of of the the origin of it, so I don't feel the need to kind of clarify my title, mm. um, or I didn't for a long time. So, um, so I think that's something that the founders. That's kind of the natural ownership of the founders. Um, and the the third thing was something you guys talked about right at the beginning, which was the um, uh, that uh, system systemizing um, your the process for replacements, uh, which I think as game designers uh, is something that we that that we have a, a better a better chance at sort of um, doing than than maybe other other uh, other people. Um, because for instance, yeah, I mean the the same thing uh, with the difference engine, um, the first cohort. 
uh, was uh, ran by myself and and uh, and Mayor Shepard, and then um, and then we chose Sagan and and Yuna to uh, to run the second to run the second one like weeks after they had finished. So um, you know, and and they were uh, they were amazing, and and um, in some ways uh, did an even better job than than we did, uh, and and certainly felt the uh, the benefits of having been through that program themselves. So they they really passed on a lot of. Um, you know, a lot of things that, that, um, that they'd learned and, and improved a lot of things that they would have liked to see, um, done differently. So, um, and I, and I find it also works well for things like, um, for even like board, when people on the board, uh, having a term of two years, uh, that they have to kind of renew. Mm-hmm. If they don't renew it, then like, cause otherwise you're left in a situation where you could potentially feel like you're shuffling somebody off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when there's a clear kind of like, okay, the term is two years, A, people know what they're getting into, and B, um, that's a natural break point that they can step away and that someone else can step in. Wow, that's, um, that's so, a really great idea. <laughs> so yeah, so even things like volunteer coordination, I mean, th- like a kind of clear line around, um, you know, uh, that that it, that it kind of... Uh, th- like especially if you can you can do it as for as many times as as uh, you at the Pixels have like in terms of like f- like finding the energy the energy keeps is is high for for everybody uh, and and you have the benefit of like um, of not being limited by your particular biases because um, because the next group of people chooses the next group of people which mm-hmm. I think is great. So, um, I had some questions, but I wanted to, I wanted to, um, see first if, if, um, Claris or Davis had any questions they wanted answered. Cause we, we only have about 10 more minutes. Um, <laughs> oh, there we go. I've, I've got a, a question, um, which is just a situation that I've been thinking about a lot because it's, it seems to be the one that we've got on the ground here in Vancouver, which is, um, that a lot of, a lot of people who are kind of in the organizing who are doing the uh basically what we have in vancouver is we have basically a an organization going except there is no umbrella organization it's just the individual events are their own little groups Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and some of these groups are quite distrustful of like the notion of organizing and of Mm -hmm. structure um I got a lot of pushback just from originally talking about like, hey, let's get together and eventually create a nonprofit. A lot, several people were like, whoa, nonprofits. Like, I don't want to be with the government, man. Uh, and like, I get that. I get that, especially within the context of Vancouver. Like, it feels very much like the government, the laws are just for moneyed interests here. Um, but obviously, becoming a nonprofit is super important for like, chasing funding and for interfacing with structures like, you know, organizational insurance and stuff. But I've created this kind of hybrid plan where I, you know, I'm, I've come to them and I've said, no, 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 no. we're, we're going to make a collective first. And then once we're all comfortable with our collective, we will become a nonprofit <laughs> and create baby steps. But one thing I've heard from pretty much everybody who's talked so far is this notion of like, you want to keep your core, you know, your core organizers, especially at the beginning, tight-knit and small. I don't know how to do that with this mm. particular situation. So I'm just wondering if you have any advice. Does this situation seem like a giant red flag or? I mean, I think if if you're excited about it and you start having, if, if you're willing to lead it, I, I think that's the tricky thing for us here in Montreal, at least, is we have a lot of excited people. We have a lot of nonprofits and whatever running around. And oftentimes, even me, I'll say, ah, oh, geez, I wish this would happen. Geez, this would be perfect if this happened. But if I'm not willing to do it myself, then it's kind of whatever. So as long as you are willing to be the point person and like you are the, whatever this nonprofit's going to be called, um, I don't know, Van Arts or whatever. Um, I mean, you... You are all you need, theoretically, at first, um, because I think people don't rally around, is my personal opinion, feel free to disagree, everybody, but um, I think people rally around a person or a small group of people um, with a vision, with a passion, and they don't necessarily do the same thing if it's just, hey, do a thing. 
um, like you have a clear set of, of values of things that you want to have happen that you feel is missing right now. Um, and I would agree with you. I think that I'm very tired of all the commercial oriented orgs here and I miss our nonprofit, like our non-commercial arts orgs. Um, but you might want to look in unusual places like academia or even like theater groups or things like that. Um, if you're, if you're having trouble finding one or two other people that are really, really on board with what you want to do, then I think, I think you can still move forward personally, but <laughs> I, I guess that's a lot of, uh, random different encouragements, but, uh, <laughs> I, I think the Vancouver community, it should be set up for this kind of thing. You'd think. Yeah, I, I mean, part of it, I think, is just the fact that it's very difficult to secure space. So, mm. the, like, community exists, but we only see each other in the kind of liminal spaces of pop-up galleries or, you know, full indie meetups. And again, like, things like full indie meetups are specifically for the commerce of games. Uh, well, we do have a meetup I mean, for art games, but again, it's just like, get together at a bar and drink. Well, that's all, that's all ours was for the longest time. Like our, our big, the Montreal Game Society that I'm talking about, like for years, all it really was was an art games meetup at a bar that had a projector. And so you could kind of hook up like showing each other your prototypes. And that's all it was. And then eventually they started hosting events and like, like more like bigger socials and things like that. But um, I mean, that is, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with meetups <laughs> they well, still benefit from nonprofits that can like fundraise mm -hmm. yeah i mean maybe my situation is, is is relevant because our organization started as like some kind of random meetups and like we would work at coffee shops and it became a little bit more formalized um but we didn't have any notion of a real organization beyond having a name and uh the thing that actually like the step we actually took to becoming an organization was we got everyone in a room, we invited everyone in a room with the goal of trying to raise the money to start a space. So like we had this very kind of like tangible, like, okay, here's the benefit. If we can all work this out, we can all figure out how to make the numbers work and we can all kind of take some responsibility, then the organization will exist because of the space. And that was kind of our mm -hmm. first step. And uh, I think something we could have improved on was like being more clear about like, okay, well, these are kind of the sub, this is the subgroup that's going to actually be running it. Um, because it, you know, it kind of turned out to be everyone wanted to, you know, get a little bit of say, but not the responsibility. And so we had, mm -hmm. you know, eight or nine people who were like all kind of like expecting to be able to change things without, you know, necessarily taking care of business. So, um, I would have done that differently, but I think having that kind of rallying point made it very, very easy for people to um, come together and make compromises as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, at the at the in the early stages of Hand Eye, there was um, uh, like that we had a work what we called a working board, which is essentially six or so people who would take on a substantial thing that they did, whether it be organizing a social and a speaker or. Um, doing some kind of other initiative. Um, and, uh, and they, as a result of that, were, were, um, you know, part of the, part of the board that made the decisions. So there was kind of a small, like a big enough group that it was, um, that we were able to do a fair amount of things. But, um, but the, the, it does represent its own challenges as well, because, um, you have, to, it's very difficult to find people that are really, good at making decisions and have the long-term health of an organization in mind and also have the time and ability and, and desire to, to take on a large responsibility. So those two things together are really difficult. And what we found in recent years is that when we decouple them and say, we just want your expertise and all you have to do is come out to the board meeting three times a year um, and not take on a, a, a large responsibility. That's, that's for our staff that basically takes care of that. Um, then, uh, then basically we've been able to get very high level people, uh, that are way too busy to take on, um, to take on another project. Um, mm -hmm. so something to consider. I mean, that's I basically, one last... oh. sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that's basically my role at Pixels now. Um, like I'm hoping to get more involved this year, but if things continue on their current trend, I'm basically an advisory board member rather than uh, a worker at this point. 
Right, right. Yeah, and I mean, there's definitely, I mean, you don't want, like, there's, you don't want to sort of require that your key people be everything, uh, you know, be everything in one package. So, um, you know, sometimes you end up hiring or, or engaging a, a junior member as a volunteer coordinator or something like that. Um, and they wouldn't be that suitable in, in a, in a sort of more advisory capacity. Um, uh, but one last question. Um, so, so we were talking about that whole, um, the whole thing around, um, uh, the inc incubator appointee that, that you, that you guys have done, um, that system that you've done with the Pexels incubator. Um, is there, has there any, been any, ever been any bad feelings or people that feel that have been passed over in that, in that process or? You know, probably, um, uh -huh. I, I don't know of any that have reached back to us. Uh, we try mm -hmm. to be very transparent about why we choose people we do. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if, and I know at some point we had kind of a clickish, um, where we, we had a fear of being seen as clickish because mm -hmm. we, we want to be very welcoming, but of course it's, it's harder to trust and, and give responsibility to people that you don't know or haven't worked with. Um, mm -hmm. and so it does kind of end up being this, um, de facto friends network, um, at least in the first couple of years. Um, but something that does help is like, for example, when we put up that little application of like, Oh, if you're interested, then please fill out this form. Um, we're very upfront about like, well, these are the criteria that we're going to use. Um, we want two different director, you know, not directors, but, um, organizers, um, incubator moms, we call them moms. <laughs> um, we want two different incubator moms that complement each other very well. Um, we're not necessarily going to pick the most experienced person or the friendliest person. We're going to pick the people that we think one of them at least will be able to responsibly handle all the paperwork side of, um, the incubator and the other person will be able to handle all the, um, like, human outreach, um, and that they can work together well, that they like each other, you know, that kind of thing. And the more we kind of explain why we make our decisions, I mean, it's kind of awkward sometimes, um, when people mm -hmm. kind of hear the qualifications and they realize like, they're probably not talking about me. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. but that is also, it, it's better than them always wondering and feeling bitter and, and like, Oh, it's cause they don't like me or something like that. Right. There you're not the chosen, uh, the, the star pupil or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that I think that can kind of come across, uh, sometimes. And, uh, and I, I think, but if there is a process now, are, are people volunteering themselves or are you going yes. to people so, and asking them? Okay. I mean, we, we, we ask all of the incubator alumna mm -hmm. to let us know if they're interested in getting more involved and maybe running the incubator themselves with whatever changes they want to make. Um, Mm -hmm. And so far, we've been able to find two people every two years. Hopefully, that will continue. Mm -hmm. Cool, cool. That's great. Okay. Wow. Um, yeah. So, so I think that's uh, I think that's probably our hour. Um, is there any final comments or thoughts that people had um, before we before we shut it down? I'm sure every organization is super different, and I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to talk about what Pixels does, but like, I'm not under the illusion that we do everything right, or that it's the only way, or anything like that. Um, I just, I hope anyone listening doesn't take it the wrong way, because <laughs> we're just kind of flailing around ourselves, so. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I... And I should probably make it clear that you didn't offer yourself. I went to you and asked you, would you be willing to be the, quote, expert unquote and yeah. you very graciously after a lot of i don't know if i'm the right person yeah so let the record show that uh, you are reluctantly put in this position perfect yeah you yeah, know i just perfect. want to thank okay. you for sharing that that was a uh, i you know even if it's not like kind of directly applicable to our organization i think there's a lot of different things that we can we can take in different processes that will probably help a lot and even it, it's just like kind of a just like a little kick in the butt of like, okay, yeah, I, these are things that I've kind of been putting off and I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to start like poking into. Right on. All right. Bye. Bye.